0: Hey, and welcome to the Multiply You Podcast. We're in a three-part series talking all about multiplying leaders. I'm Chris Kong, church planting pastor at Glad Tidings Church in Victoria, BC. In this episode, I interview co-lead pastors Brandon Richardson and Luke Becker of Slate Church in Waterloo, Ontario. They co-lead pastor alongside of their wives, Emma Richardson and Victoria Becker. As you'll hear in our interview, Slate Church is a growing church. And if you ask around, you'll see as I did that Brandon, Luke, Luke, Emma and Victoria are not only excellent leaders, their movement is dynamic and they're reaching people for Jesus Christ every single week. Today we're talking about multiplying leaders and results. So here's my interview with Brandon and Luke of Slate Church in Waterloo, Ontario. Good morning, guys. I want to welcome Brandon Richardson and Luke Becker to the podcast, uh, co-lead pastors of Slate Church. Welcome, guys.
1: Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. Great.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm so glad that you guys could be here. Uh, I've been hearing amazing things about Slate Church from all wow. of my friends. I have three. <laughs>
1: and, uh, <laughs> wow, and, perfect. <laughs> yeah,
0: so could you guys tell me a little bit maybe about the, the brief history of how you got up and running with Slate Church, maybe how how many years you guys have been going, and then we'll kind of launch into it today.
1: Yeah, you know, we've been a church um, just over two and a half years now. We planted on September 17th, 2017. And, um, you know, we've seen God do incredible things in that time, certainly. But we kind of have like a a, sort of an interesting way in which we planted, of course, for us as a church, We'll see if we get into this later or not. But we have four of us as lead pastors: myself and my wife, and Brandon and his wife Emma. And so we co-pastor the church together. And um, so we, we kind of had like a, a little bit of different trajectories. That then, boom, we're together, and now we are pastoring Slate Church. So, I mean, I'll give a brief overview of me, and then Brandon can give a, a little bit of him as well, and, and we can go from there. So, um, I grew up in Waterloo, which is where Slate Church is, and. Um, when I was 18 years old, I left Waterloo. I went to Australia, I went to Bible college there. Um, and so I did three years uh, Bible college in Australia. I met my wife there. We got engaged there. My wife is from Sweden, though. She's Swedish. And so after our time in Australia, we actually moved to Sweden. And so we, her, her, her parents are church planters as well. And uh, this year is 20 years since they planted their church. And we got to um, you know serve there. And um, I was able to be a creative pastor At that church as well. And so we did that for about five and a half years. And all throughout that time, I was tracking with Emma and Brandon. And the reason is that uh, Brandon and I are brothers in law. So Brandon is actually married to my sister. And so we uh, were family, you know? And so we totally knew what one another was doing the whole time. And we would have Skype calls, talk about church and church building and all of this kind of stuff. And and uh, there was a moment where, you know, we were doing what we were doing in Sweden. Brandon and Emma were doing what you'll hear about they were doing here uh, in Waterloo. And, um, you know, there's a moment where I can remember Brandon and I were in a car driving one night. And uh, it was very apparent, you know, there was this real uh, kind of sense that we need to do something together. And, uh, of course, for me, it was like... Uh, a pretty crazy thing to think, because now I was going to move my whole life from Sweden, my wife, everything we were doing there, move it over here,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so that was—I mean, that was a big deal um, to to work that out and figure it out. But I mean, I knew on my heart absolutely this is what we have to do. Um, my wife didn't know as quick as me, <laughs> so took it back to Sweden. We prayed about it, um, prayed for a long time, and you know, really, she got that confirmation that she needed. And so, I mean, we sold, we sold our apartment, we sold our car, we sold all of our furniture, everything, and moved over here to Plant Slate Church uh, just a couple of years ago now. And um, it's a pretty, pretty wild story uh, how that all happens. And uh, So, Brandon, what about you? What's your side?
2: Yeah, I mean, all the, while all this is going on, Emma and I are um, pastoring a student church here in the city. It was well known with a really good history. Um, deep roots and actually inspired a lot of campus ministry all across Canada. And while we were doing that, we were growing. I think in the three years that we pastored, it went from a group of 10 people to 300. And wow. uh, and in the process of that, when you think you would just keep taking it to newer and, and greater heights, I just began to realize I looked out on our church and it just seemed like it was a young adults collective. And I could just see a bunch of young adults from all different churches coming and uh, really not going back to the churches they came from and so while the mission of the church that we were hired on to, to help out with was was pure and great and all the rest the actual outworking of it was not having the effect that um, anybody wanted it to it was having a, a very unintended effect and I just remember feeling very convicted by the Holy Spirit to, uh, to basically stop what we were doing and uh, and so you know I remember getting up there one week and Emma was freaking out a little bit about it. But I said, you know, if you attend two different churches, you're no longer welcome here. You need to go back to the church you came from.
1: And wow.
2: uh, overnight, we went from, you know, averaging on a on a night about 220 right down to about 100. And, uh, and it was right then that we started asking these big big questions. And uh, right about then that Luke and I started talking really seriously about what the next stage could look like. For me, it was always about honoring God and what God wanted to us to be doing as as pastors not Mm -hmm. just throwing the best Christian party in town and so you know it was birthed in us to to do something intergenerational at the same time we were given the go-ahead to shut down what we were currently running and so uh the conversations of Luke and Victoria and Emma and I took off and it was about a year later that that Slate Church was launched.
0: How many did you launch with in at Slate Church in September of 2017?
1: Yeah, we launched uh, that that first Sunday, six hundred wow. and six people, and you know it absolutely blew our mind. It was an incredible thing.
0: I'm guessing you started with about a hundred and kind of created a launch team. And
2: when we started, our launch team was forty people, and nearing the end of our launch team, we had as many people as eighty signed up, and uh, yeah, so it was from those eighty that. That we we launched.
0: So I want to chat with you guys about some of the results you guys are achieving now. Um, how many people would call Slate Church home today?
2: If you're taking Sunday numbers, uh, just strictly people that are there every week, we're consistently above 700 um, across three locations. And uh, you know, there's obviously, as as every church will say these days, there's a lot more that call Slate Church home, but it's uh, it's working with what people consider regular attendance these days um but yeah i mean we'd we'd have any anywhere between seven and up that would call slate church home
0: how many are serving on your team
2: yeah this one's a little more concrete i mean on uh i think every week we have 300 people serving um and uh that's like rostered numbers and then uh we have a total of 400 people actually volunteering in our church
0: and do you have a number of staff
1: leaders or volunteer staff leaders staff right now um So the four of us as lead pastors are on staff, and then we have two executive pastors as well. And so, uh, and I'll I'll let Brandon speak a little bit to the to the structure that we have in place as well. So everybody outside of that is really, um, you know, volunteer leader, really leading at an incredible level. It's amazing to see the commitment.
2: Yeah, we've broken off our um, our what we call our volunteer staff team into four different subgroups, and so for each of our sites, they're completely volunteer led. Um, we have one staff member that looks after one of our sites, and that would be our, our main site. And then we have t- our two other sites that are completely right from the pastors of those sites down to the leaders that are volunteer led. The one site has 400 people going to it every week. Um, and all of that is volunteer led. And then we have uh, what we call central teams outside of our three sites, which also are all volunteer led. So that's things like our city impact, which is our mission uh, arm of our church. Um, uh, we, we call it city impact here at slate. And then, uh, we have our business team, our communications team and our connections team. And all of those teams are also led volunteer.
0: If, if we're talking about the kind of demographic of Waterloo, I think it's a burgeoning tech town. Is that correct? That's right. And is there a certain demographic you're trying to reach? I know you're talking about being an intergenerational church, but do you have a target audience on a Sunday that you're, you're hitting for?
1: You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, okay, this is the demographic that we're going to reach. That being said, we are, um, you know, we're a church that really wants to pour into the next generation, certainly. And so the expression of what we do um, is quite contemporary, as many churches are, and that's fantastic. And, you know, what we have seen is that as we have poured into and really worked to give younger people an opportunity, a place to belong, a place to lead, a place to serve, and, and honestly, just great community, it's amazing to see how people in older generations really value that. And, you know, we actually, in our Waterloo Morning site, um, I would say that the demographics are, like, there's a wide spectrum of people from, you know, elderly people uh, to families, parents, to youth that are coming out, young families, all all of these types of things. And it's amazing to see how as we are not trying to just like okay we're going to hit just this demographic, it's amazing to see how although we just want to you know bring the expression as um, um, still contemporary and quite relevant it's amazing to see how people just attach on to that in our evening site, um, we naturally just have a lot more students, and our evening site is quite close to our universities We're a town that has um, two massive universities and a massive college as well mm. and so um, you know, we're just down the street from both of those universities. So we see a lot of university students coming. And again, it's really, it's really incredible to see people who are even in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s who come out and they are so excited over the fact that there are some young people who are really like coming and pouring into church. And, a, a, you know, a number of people who just say like, Hey, this is what I've been praying for, you know, and it's amazing to see their perspective in that, um, as these older folks and they're they're just so ready to contribute to what 's going on and they're so thankful for what god's doing so it's it's a pretty interesting spread that we have but um I, I would say it's not like you know when we started, we had a lot more just young people, but as we have grown and as we have you know been around for three and a half years, I think um, you know we've planted ourselves in such a way that uh, at this point, we're getting uh, people from the whole spectrum. It's pretty neat.
0: As you kind of begin to, you know, get from the beginning stages of Slate Church and now you're three and and a half years in, how are you kind of measuring your growth nowadays? You know, are there certain things you're looking for? Certain, you know, if you're, let's get real talk, okay? What's, what keeps mm-hmm. you up at night? You know, when you're thinking about the growth of your church, because uh, we're talking, we're trying to reach young leaders with this podcast. But, you know, what are, what are some of the things you're looking for as you guys keep growing?
2: It's a good question. I, I mean, to be completely honest, I know your question is just leading somewhere. Not much keeps us up at night. Um, it's amazing. You know, there's been a general sense of peace just as we've been doing this journey and just following where God takes us. Um, mm mm-hmm at least for the church, there's not much that, that would keep us up. But the things that certainly we are, um, we're focusing on would be uh, uh, making sure that we're duplicating ourselves. So mm-hmm. the way that we've chosen to grow our church is not in a traditional sense of just having one site and continually trying to um, draw as many people out to that location as possible. But we're actually seeking to transform a region. God's really put on our heart Waterloo region. And uh, while every time we talk about growth and launching another location, we're going to be doing that um, September or January, but likely September of this year, <laughs> um, our fourth location. And, uh, you know, there's always people calling, oh, why don't you come over here and, and do something here? And, and it's, you know, it's all over the place. For us, we're, we're really narrowly focused on Waterloo Region because that's where we feel God has called us to. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing on our minds is how do we continue to raise up enough leaders? To be able to do that well right now as as we said at the beginning of this podcast we're able to run three sites almost completely volunteer led and uh there's a limit to how long you can do that in in any given site and so obviously you know we're we're tracking with that and making sure that we uh we have our focus on that but as we continue to launch it into more sites it just means more leaders so duplicating and multiplying leaders is absolutely our biggest focus
0: you talk about duplicating leaders what are the kind of things you're doing to achieve that goal are there some systems you have in place some some general philosophies that you're teaching your teams i'm sure it's encouraged in vision pieces that you have
1: well i think well you know one phrase that we have been talking about um, a decent amount lately is just this idea of needed and known Um, you know we live in a world where people uh, can go about and and we prize. autonomy so much and we prize you know the individual self so much and um, but it it seems like a lot of people are going around and they're actually just quite lonely and they're looking for community and they're looking for a place where they can you know get involved in something and so we use this phrase needed and known because we recognize that that's something that we can um, certainly say hey as a church we see you and you got to know that you're you're needed here and you can be known here and so people are known in our church through our connect groups that we run uh, you know, we've got many, many connect groups, small groups that happen uh, across our region. Um, and that's a way that we, we work to make a, a big church small for people. And they can mm-hmm. be known and they can be loved. And people, you know, take them out for their birthday and care about them. A- and then the phrase needed, you know, we really say, like, join a team. We would love to get you on a team um, because actually you're needed here. It's easy for people to come into our church and think, well, everything's done. You know, this is great. I can just sit back and relax and whatever. But we talk often that, you know, we, one of our values really at Slate Church is that um, we're contributors and not just consumers. So we're not just coming to church just to consume and just to get fed, but we actually want to come and contribute to the work that God is doing in and through Slate Church. And so we encourage people all the time, hey, we would love to get you to, to see you get involved in a team. You should understand that there's a place for you to get involved in a team. And God has put something on your life that we really need. And don't just allow that to you know go by or be wasted or miss that opportunity, but why don't you take your gifts why don't you take your personality apply it to a team in our church and it makes a huge difference and so um, we talk about that a lot and then we've got some some ways that we really work to get people actually involved in that because um, it's not enough for us to just maybe say it from the platform or something like that, but we've got a great um, next steps program that we work with and um, you know, we've just actually kind of rearranged that a little bit and it's kind of a pipeline to get people through and plugged into teams and connect groups. And that's kind of our big thing. You know, if somebody comes to church, um, they're really, their next step is come back next week. And after that, we would love to see you get in a connect group and we would love to see you get plugged into team. It's, it's really quite simple. And, um, and so again, we, we, we do have processes to make sure that this is happening well. And, um, uh, but it's amazing to see how, as we've kind of worked this pipeline, how people really are able to come through it and find that place that works for them to be able to contribute. And they feel needed and they feel known. It's amazing.
0: In terms of that pipeline, is that the three steps you're talking? Come one Sunday, join a connect group, you know, get involved in team.
2: Uh, we have a team that communicates and follows up with people. and so. Um, That team might be taking more steps with people, understanding where they are in their personal journey. Mm -hmm. But uh, as a church, those are the check marks, and then the additional steps are handled by our
0: Connections team. Are you watching those numbers? You're trying to keep those, you know, obviously you want to keep engagement up at all of your locations. What are some of the things you guys are measuring as you go week to week?
2: We're trying to measure how many Connect cards come in, uh, how many new people are joining teams, um, uh, how many p- new people are joining connect groups and that sort of things. We also measure how many um, people on team are in connect groups, the ratio there and how many connect group uh, members are on team that ratio as well. And so those are ratios that we measure. Um, truthfully, I mean, we've been around for three and a half years. That includes our launch process um, two and a half years of gathering these numbers. Um, I mean, still we're just in the gathering uh, phase. So, the numbers aren't telling us a whole lot at this point, but they will over time.
0: Yeah, have they told you anything specific right now? Like, how are your ratios? Are you finding you want to stoke a certain area? Usually,
2: usually I can have these numbers off the top of my head, but Luke, I think you might actually know the connect group numbers more than I would right now.
1: Right now we have, um, uh, I believe, about 50 connect groups. Um, I think it's grown a little bit in the last couple of weeks, actually. But uh, connect groups, like we kind of cap it at about 10 people. Uh, per group you know we don't want to see okay now there's 30 40 people in a connect group and you know it's it's defeating the purpose that's a church and so yeah exactly exactly and so you know if we if we think okay we have 50 connect groups that gives us headroom for 500 people in connect groups Um, we would love to see at minimum 60 percent of our church in connect groups that's kind of a number that we're working with that we have gotten from other churches that are really healthy and are growing I mean listen we would love to see 100 percent of people right but but, uh, 60 is a a number that we can sort of work with, and so, um, so you know, we're working through the system to make sure that every connect group is recording attendance and all of these different types of things, so that we can really trust the numbers that are coming in. And, um, and and I mean, that's been taking some time, but now we're finally kind of getting to that point where we're seeing a lot of health in that, which is which is really good. So yeah, we really want to see sixty percent of our church in small groups, um, that, you know, that are meeting, and um, and and that's good for us. And honestly, right now we are. Um, above that number which is really cool for us
0: out of these connect groups teams come i'm assuming and how are you guys training team right now
2: training happens uh in so many different ways and i think this is something that's always in fluctuation and i i think that um either we can look at how we've uh, transformed or changed our our training for leaders is either like we've done well in seasons and not as well but i think what's really just happened is we've responded to growth so What's uh, worked for training in one season hasn't always worked in the next season. So we never marry ourselves to a training technique, but often uh, it includes, um, you know, getting everybody together in a room. We call that team night, Um, getting everybody together in a room, uh, a digital room where we we teach via YouTube. And that's um, been effective during certain seasons for us. And then we really rely also just on the leadership structures that we have in place. And so moving to a, a location-centered model for our leadership structure has allowed us to really flatten our whole church organization, if you would call it that way, and allow, um, allow there less layers between us as lead pastors and the people serving in our church so that the culture is caught um, way more quickly. And so we put a lot of trust in uh, the leadership structures we have in place and the leaders we have in place. We're um, pretty ruthless on making sure that uh, everybody lives in our culture. And, uh, and and the reason for that is because we really believe that, at least for most of uh, Orthodox Christianity, it, I mean, the beliefs are going to stay the same. But one thing that you're not guaranteed when someone joins your church as a new Christian or joins your church as maybe a, a Christian that feels called to what you're doing, is you're not guaranteed that they're bringing the culture that you want them to bring, and so that's something that we're ruthless about. But once we recognize somebody has our culture, we just kind of release them, and a lot of the training is just done through trusting the leaders that we're leading or leading the leaders they're leading, our leaders leading the leaders they're leading, and also. Um, one big thing that we've been focusing on recently is just also making sure our church knows that this isn't just about leadership development. At the end of the day, we're not here to grow leaders. We're here to make disciples. And so that's just a huge aspect in everything we do as a church.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about discipleship for a minute. Um, what are a couple of the things you're looking for in, in a disciple of Slate
1: Church? I think that one of those things is just a question. Hey, um, Every single day are you taking steps towards becoming more like Jesus? Mm-hmm. you know what are you what have you done today to not just not become a greater leader, but how have you become more like Christ today and then through that lens, ask yourself how can I apply that to my leadership because ultimately we don't just want to have a church full of just leaders we want to have a church full of people who are just passionate about Jesus who are not afraid to um, you know just preach his word and and uh and so it's, it's really important for us that we're seeing that happen. You know, we're doing a lot of teaching right now. We're, we're going to, in fact, just in a couple of weeks, we're going in a series all about spiritual disciplines and, um, you know, how we can arrange our life in such a way that sin doesn't look tempting for us, mm-hmm. but instead we just want to become more like Jesus. And so how can we do that every single day? How can we be disciplined not only in becoming better leaders, but how can we be disciplined in our life and becoming better Christians? And so we're really passionate about that right now. We, we really want to see that happen in our church. We want to see, um, we want to see people just have, uh, you know, our theme for this year is bold. Uh, and we really do want to see people just have a bold faith and a bold obedience to whatever it is that God is asking. And, you know, we want to model that as lead pastors, certainly. We want to just have this bold belief that, um, that God is good and that we're going to just follow what he says.
0: We don't want to lose sight of the the commission that Jesus gave us, right? To create disciples and raise them up. That's so good. What are some of the, can you think of any pitfalls of the things we're measuring? Like, have you ever been in a season where you're like, man, we just measured the wrong thing?
1: Well, I I think just one thing is um, numbers can, uh, you got to make sure you can trust the numbers that are coming in basically. That's that's important, right? So and you can't look at them in such isolation. It's good to look at a trend over time. You know, we, we launched with 606 people um, a couple of weeks, like that number cut in half, uh, certainly. And a couple of weeks after our launch date, like, you know, we had our lowest Sunday ever. And we were kind of like, oh my goodness, like what's going on here? Like this, you know, a couple more weeks, like church is shut, shut down, you know? Yeah. And, um, the problem was that we only had data of like three weeks to go on. And so it just looked like a steep decline. The whole, And we were like trying to like figure out what, what are we doing wrong? Meanwhile, of course, launch Sunday, I mean, you have everybody's family and friends coming out mm-hmm. and everybody else bringing everyone. And so, you know, it's great now that we have a couple of years under our belt to be able to at least look at some of the trends across the year and recognize, hey, there might be a dip in this month, don't freak out about it, it's gonna be okay. Um, so that, that's kind of been an interesting learning experience there. So not just not looking at like, just last Sunday's numbers and oh my goodness, they're down 4%, you know, we better uh, figure something out immediately or whatever. If that trend continues over time, you got to figure something out. Of course. But it's good to, uh, it's just good to keep that in mind, I think.
0: Yeah, but about for you, Brandon?
1: Yeah, I would say a lot, of the, a
2: lot of the same things as what Luke was just saying is uh, when, when you're measuring things, um, it's important to understand that um, I, I think you got you have two different types of people. You have people that rely completely on analytics and want to make all the decisions analytically or you have people mm-hmm. that they're so intuitive that they want to um, rely completely on intuition. And what we've learned um, from other people that have gone before us is that the smaller you are, the more you can lean on, lean on intuition. And the larger you grow, the more you lean on yeah. analytics. And, uh, I mean, that's awesome. And, and God can certainly move through analytics. And we have a lot of them, you know, and there's a lot that we haven't even talked about today. But, um, you know, we're always constantly trying to find this balance of just following where the Spirit is leading us. And even though we're growing larger and larger as a church and we're still really young, uh, understanding that that idea of, of taking chances based on what the Spirit is telling us, is always uh, more important than even what the analytics are telling us. so mm-hmm. you know we're launching a fourth location and nobody in our in our circle and the people that we allow mentor us to mentor us are telling us this is a bad idea. Um, so we're not running against the grain of godly advice in our lives. but if the analytics were to tell us you know we should grow our main a little bit larger and you know yada, yada, yada. But we, we really have a calling on our church and we understand, um, you know, there's some, some specific things God's placed on our hearts. And so we're going to step out in faith despite the analytics. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's always this balance of, of making sure you're paying attention to them, but also not allowing them to rule you.
0: That's so good. You don't want to be measuring the wrong things or be stuck to a, a man or, a, you know, a man-made yeah. system.
2: It's really hard to measure a person's heart. And that ultimately, when you think about what God cares about, is that's that's what he's after. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think we've tried to, in our churches for a long time, measure salvations as the be all, be, end, be all and end all. And we measure that as well. And it's super important to us. And we celebrate it every year when we celebrate how many salvations we've had. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, a perfect metric would be where everybody's hearts are at. And unfortunately, God's the only one that has those analytics. So in order to get them right, We've got to go to him for them.
0: Oh, it's so true. If you uh, could look back to yourself in the first year of Slate Church, or you're a young leader, what's one thing you wish you didn't measure? What's one thing you wish you didn't keep your eye on? Uh, and what's what's one thing you wish you did measure? You know, or one thing that you wish you were keeping your eye on?
1: Well, again, I w- I would probably just say uh, the the not the the wish. I don't necessarily wish that we didn't measure it, but I guess for me, I wish that I hadn't been swayed as much by numbers such as purely attendance, um, for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when it's growing, it's growing and emotionally you're excited. And, um, you know, to be honest, we haven't had many months of like, okay, there's like sharp decline or anything like that. And praise God for it. Um, But just to maybe not allow those to sort of affect the emotional health of yourself as a pastor, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think like, you know, when it comes to what do I wish I did measure more? personally, I would say, you know, it probably relates less to church and probably relates more to myself. Just exactly as we talked about, where's my spiritual health at? Where am I at spiritually? Where am I at in my relationship with Jesus? And how am I growing in that? Um, Because I think, you know, so quickly as pastors, we can start to try and rely on ourselves and do things in our own strength. And we say, well, I'm just going to take the wheel of this ship and steer it wherever I want to go, you know? And uh, so I think, yeah, First year would have been, you know, less about some of these other numbers, as we've talked about, and just Mm -hmm. more measuring, hey, where am I at my relationship with Jesus and how can I take that further?
0: That's so good. You don't want to get on autopilot as a pastor. No. And anything for you, Brandon, that kind of peaks your your brain or as we kind of wrap up?
2: I can't add much more to what Luke said. You know, this is one of the interesting dynamics of having four lead pastors as we kind of Um, As much as we're individuals, there's also a spiritual journey we all find Mm -hmm. ourselves on together. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think what Luke just outlined is what we all kind of, we all went on that journey together. And and right now, you know, we're measuring our spiritual health a a lot more. Not that it was bad when we started. It's just, you know, if God's going to continue to um, bless and grow what what we're leading, we've got to be able to, you know, meet him, uh, meet him where, where he wants to take us. So.
0: Well, that's so great, guys. I want to thank you today for your time. Uh, that's all the time we have today, but I'm just so excited to see where Slate Church is going in the fourth location of Slate Church and what God is doing with you guys. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We appreciate it so much.
1: Thank you, Chris. Much, Chris. awesome.
0: Well, thanks again to Brandon and Luke. I wish I could have spent more time with those guys. They're so humble, and they're making a huge difference in the city of Waterloo. Head over to slatechurch.com. Or find Brandon and Luke on Instagram, at Brandon H. Richardson, and at Luke Becker, that's B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R. You can subscribe to the Multiply You podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and please, feel free to leave us a review. Check out the show notes, I've created a list of resources I know will help you in this topic, and I hope you've enjoyed this mini-series talking all about multiplying leaders. And as we say goodbye today, would you ask yourself, What's one thing I can do this week to better multiply you? Thanks for tuning in.